Welcome to the Cup of Nurses podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Cup of Nurses podcast. We're your host, Matt Sautrick, and myself, Peter Fendra. This is a podcast where we tackle current health news and hot nursing topics one conversation at a time. Welcome, guys. Thank you for whoever listens. Keep on listening, guys. We love you guys all. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Ring that bell. Give us some feedback. Give us some stars. We prefer five stars, but if it's one, we understand. We'll, you know, get yeah, better. If it's one, don't even waste your time. Yeah, don't waste your time. Just just leave it alone, you know. Give us the five. Um, so anyways, today we're going to talk about iridology. It's a study of the iris, and supposedly it's able to predict different types of diseases. And also we're going to talk about vaccinations, how they work, different types of vaccinations, and we'll break down the flu vaccine. Yeah, South iridology. Yeah. I feel like vaccinations had a bad rep recently with all this like fake news going on, on social media, right? There's this whole hype about vaccinations are bad. And I mean, to be honest, I looked at it myself because we both like got into conspiracies before. So I was I was on top of it too. And honestly, I think it's like a little fad that happened. Yeah, it definitely is. The anti vax movement was started by like a celebrity. I'm pretty sure it was a porn star that started all this. And you wanna, I'm, I'm serious. Serious? Yeah. I didn't even know about this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a porn star that started started doing all this. And I guess she's a celebrity, so she's famous. So the word got out and she kind of pushed this agenda, started her own community. And and that's where we're at here. People are not getting vaccinated as much as they should. And it's starting to become an issue. And there was a lot of outbreaks, right? There was in, I think, Ohio. There's a few schools even that had like measles, mumps. And we never heard about an outbreak of mumps and you know, recently started back up when all these people started, you know, not vaccinating their kids. Yeah, I'm not sure what her thought process was, but it's definitely not the most educated thing to do. I'm sure she, you know, did it for the right reasons. She read some conspiracies, maybe watched some Alex Jones, and she said, oh my gosh, these vaccines are injecting a little mini robots into my body, and they're maybe collecting my data information. I don't know. It's a little wild out there. That's my mind right now. But yeah, so... I'm sure she did it for the right reasons, but I'm sorry, sweetie. Whatever her name is, you are wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know what her name is. I haven't seen any of her videos either, so I don't know who she is. But but I know that's how that started. So, she's, she's a filmmaker, huh? Yeah, I guess actress. Actress, of some sort. I mean, everybody needs to make money, right? That's what I'm saying. I heard strippers make good money, so. Hey, man, I'll I'll be a dancer for some cash. I don't want to give out the sources here, but I found out one of them can make like five grand a night. It's not really? bad, man. I wipe shit for a living. Yeah, imagine <laughs> the ones she's that making a lot of money on a pole. Right. Imagine the ones that that dance in like Florida or like California, like those top notch strip clubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Club Eleven in Florida. <laughs> we need to ask for it. Not everybody, you know, not everybody has an ass. So. Yeah. Hey, you can shake it, make the money, pay the bills, you know. But but yeah, don't be that one porn star. With it's all. the oldest profession in the world. Exactly. Uh, Take it off with iridiology. Yeah, uh, iridiology. So, so hard to what say. is the science? So iridiology is a, actually a pseudoscience. So it's not backed up by the scientific method. And iridiologists, people that study iridiology and do iridiology, they could look at your iris and depending on the shape or particles you have there or just like little signatures in there that's supposed to predict which organ is flawed or which organ is, is diseased. So they basically look at your eye and they have like a graph of what part of the eye affects what organ and, and vice versa. And that's kind of how they base off their their, theolo- their it's theory. Like, it's like also reflex, reflexology, which is like um, basically the feet are all connected to different types of organs. So if you massage like the inner part of like the foot, it kind of affects the stomach. Or if you massage the pinky, it affects the eye. 
and my grandma has that giant chart in her um, downstairs basement. So I wonder if that's actually a pseudoscience as well. Sure. We can look that up. But yeah, I've seen that a lot. And I know sometimes they tell you if you have like a headache from like the side or something, then you could like move your two fingers together and it's supposed to, supposed to go away. And I tried it before and it actually worked. Like maybe I just, maybe it was like a placebo effect, but it worked for me a few times. I mean, we're I only discovering so much. Like look at the whole mind-body connection. That's yeah. a new thing, right? Yeah. But yeah. did they test the pseudoscience to find out so, the results? So this is a pseudoscience. So there was in Australia where um, these researchers gathered vast amounts of, of data and they looked at other studies um, with 17 different alternative therapies than what we're used to here in the in like the west side of the hemisphere. And one of them was the radiology. This was in 2015. And their research showed that radiology, it's hard for me to say that, there was a, it was clear that it has no effective evidence at all. So it was basically proven ineffective. And then another study in 2005 took 110 uh, participants and they were each diagnosed with a different type of cancer. And they had an radiologists come in and try to diagnose what kind of cancer they have. And that study also showed that radiology was of no value. So it was like a double-blinded study. It was a double-blinded study. So the researchers <laughs> didn't know who had, the, who had what kind of cancer, and nor did the radiologist. All they know was that there was some cancer going in, and some people didn't even have cancer. And radiology showed no value whatsoever. So this is pseudoscience. It's completely garbage nonsense. There hasn't been any studies over there that prove that it, it is right in any yeah. way, shape, or form. So they took 110 people, right? Yep. 68 of those people had one of the four cancers, breast, mm-hmm. ovarian, uterus, prostate, colorectal, that's five. And 42 did not have any evidence of yeah. cancer. And they, you know, took this guy that's an iridologist, I guess. Yeah, they said you could just prove what kind of cancer you have just by looking at your eye. And he wasn't able to show any significant value no, in nothing. his method. Yeah. So basically, it's all, it's all nothing. And we actually looked it up in the Chagoland area, and there's actually three doctors around uh, like a 25-mile radius that actually you could go to and make an appointment to him. That's interesting. Maybe we should make an appointment see how this works. I'm kind of curious. We could also show him the research and so let him if, know what's up. Yeah, what if he has his own research? But if he has his own research that he conducted, that's kind of going to be skewed. But if he has some research that's like you know, done by somebody else, like a third party or something. I feel like before you even get into the study of the eye, what you do is you ask the person, like, you know, how his lifestyle is. You ask him what kind of, you know, diseases run in his family. I feel like you ask him what kind of medications he's on and all this other stuff. And then you're able to, like, even me and you, like, if you ask those questions, you're able to kind of, like, gauge to see how healthy this person is. And you're able to gauge just a little bit, and then that could kind of sway your results when you're looking at the iris. You never know. Right, yeah, that's true. Like, if your mother has diabetes, but your father doesn't, and then they both have, you know, um, some kind of a cancer, like um, like your mother has, like, a breast cancer, and your father has pancreatic cancer, and then they both have heart disease, you're mostly going to have heart disease compared to diabetes. Yeah, so that's these, these doctors can't tell you have a disease, but they're able to target a specific organ. So if Peter's, you know, says he has diabetes in the family i'll look into his iris and i'll say i think you're prone to diabetes your pancreas is kind of you know showing symptoms of heavy toxicity or something i don't know yeah i'm sure there are just ways like you know skewed results and kind of i'm sure that this radiologist based his information more off your history and your genetics compared to just like your eye yeah because what if someone fell on my eye that would kind of skew everything like i'd say if if i had to cut my eye you wouldn't be able to do that would you Hopefully he asked that. 
Because what if I have like shrapnel in my eye and I never told him? Yeah. Not that I was hit so, by a grenade or anything, but yeah. This is debunked. I wish we had the gavel, like we said again, kind of hit it. Move on to the next topic. Don't waste so, time with irradiology. Yeah. It's not backed up by science. So anyways, um, topic right now. We're going to talk about vaccinations. But first, what is the immune system? So as we know, the immune system is like a, a body's defense system, and it protects us against invaders, infectious diseases, organisms. And most of the time, our immune system is very, very efficient. Um, it keeps microorganisms out. And it has ways to get rid of them, even if they invade and go through the skin or whatever the open pores are. Um, however, some pathogens um, can overwhelm the immune system. And when that happens, you can have serious illnesses. Some different things that are very toxic to it, or not toxic, that are pathogens that affected us back in the day were like measles, mumps, polio. polio. These diseases our body wasn't able to handle. And we finally... In our current, you know, society, we're able to get rid of it yeah. for the most part, right? And that's that's very beautiful. Um, and some of these pathogens, like, go unnoticed. And our immune system, more than likely, is not able to kind of pick up on them, right? Because you have to develop antigens. So the role of a vaccination is to kind of teach your immune system and to help your immune system identify this threat before it becomes a serious uh, problem. Um, and it's able to recognize this by, you know, antigens. Yeah, so your body makes antibodies for these antigens. So when a virus comes at you, they have like antigens around them. Yeah. Like it's, like you say with your DNA, so you do like A, B, and C. So if virus is labeled A, B, and C, you create antibodies against the A, B, and C. So then it recognizes them and knows how to fight it off. And there's this very, some could be CBD or I mean, CBD, <laughs> like, like CBA, things like that. And that's your body recognizes it and it produces antibodies. So it knows how to attach itself and then dis- destroy that antigen with its antibodies which is pretty cool and it's happening continuously non-stop like me putting my hand on my computer you know there's so much bacteria on my on my computer there's so much uh, i don't know about parasites but there's definitely viruses everywhere bacteria is everywhere and we're constantly fighting fighting them off some bacteria is good like we have healthy gut bacteria which which we don't destroy but if that gut bacteria leaks out to um, like a different organ or different part of the body, it could be toxic to that. Just like that Crohn's disease, right? When once the inflammation happens, you start getting the leaky gut and you could develop infections like that because it enters where it's not supposed to, like the bloodstream. Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy. And some of these, like Matt said, like polio, measles, um, tetanus, and like whooping cough, they've killed millions and millions of people in the past. So it's very beneficial for us to develop like vaccines for this. It was once a threat, and now it's eliminated in our society. And like we said, it emerged a little bit because these anti-vaxxer movements. But really, vaccinations are a beautiful thing, and they've you know they've stopped a lot of problems. Yeah. But we have to kind of keep it under control because there's something called the herd immunity, which I'll kind of touch base about. So, how does a vaccine exactly work? The way it works is, like I said, it's, it trains your immune system to recognize the threat. And our, our system does this by certain molecules from the pathogen. So when it's introduced, which is what we call the antigen, it creates that immune response. So just imagine these little antigens are just floating around your body. And whenever there is a foreign invader, your body's able to recognize it because you gave that live virus or unactivated virus to your body. And it's like a book of memories and it's able to recognize it and able to act quicker and neutralize the threat, right? That's true. Um, Let's see here. Um, And 
the way this happens is we have to realize that vaccinations not only affect one individual. Just because you got a vaccine doesn't mean you're going to be vaccinated. It actually works. It's called a phenomenon called the herd immunity. So the way it works is eventually if a society gets enough vaccinations, I don't know what the exact percentage is, is it's able to create immunity and it could prevent outbreaks because what happens is essentially that bacteria or virus, it needs a host, right? It needs to live in some organism and have its foothold there. Right. If you have enough people in society that have this vaccine or this immunity, this host or this bacteria eventually just going to die out exactly. because it can't live anywhere. Yeah, let's say like a first grade class, for example, there, there's kids there, let's say it's 30, 30 kids. Let's say 25 of those are vaccinated, five aren't. Even though those five kids aren't vaccinated, they're probably of, of getting like measles, mumps, or a certain kind of infection like that is very small just because the fact is that 25 other kids are vaccinated and those five aren't. So they kind of herd around them. And it's a lot harder for a vaccine to pinpoint those five kids compared to those other 25. You know, viruses, you know, they can't tell who's immune, who's not until they actually go inside you know, our, our bodies and start moving around and, and replicating. And for those that don't know, a virus is actually non-living. And a lot of people don't know that. And that's what makes a virus so much like harder to fight off because it's actually non-existing. Your body's not able to even identify it that way. Right. That's why a lot of people that like have the flu, like they go to Juul and they buy all these prescription pills to like help the infection, you know, get fought off quicker. You're not really doing your body any favor. You're just masking the symptoms that this infection is creating. Yeah. So you taking cough syrup, you're really suppressing a cough when your body's your, but your body's symptoms, they cough because it's trying to get rid of something that's not supposed to be there. So sometimes taking specific medications aren't really doing any benefit. You're just helping yourself feel better from these symptoms. Yeah. Just like um, having a fever. If you're having a mild grade fever, that's okay. Like just let it be. You don't need to take Tylenol right away because when you raise your body's temperature, your body's able to actually fight off the infection more efficiently, right? Because some bacteria and viruses can't thrive thrive in that kind of uh, temperature change. So that itself makes them um, inactivate the viruses and bacteria themselves. Yeah. And we're being counterintuitive and, oh, my God, my, I'm 100.1 and we take a talent on. You're kind of, your body knows what it's doing. Just let it do its thing, you know, yeah. in a way. Yeah, but if it does become a high-grade fever, that's when it becomes an issue. That's probably when you should try. And you should sure probably, yeah. Yeah, but there's a good threshold for your body knows what temperature gradient to go to to kind of um, destroy or inactivate these kind yeah. of uh, bacteria or viruses. And one cool little statistic I found that according to the World Health Organizations, 85% of the world's children have received vaccines that protect them against like the things that we talked about, TB, tetanus, measles, tuberculosis. And these vaccines have saved over 7.5 million lives. Yeah. Yeah, I know Bill Gates is working on a malaria vaccine. Mm -hmm. He was working on a malaria vaccine, but I think he's also trying to completely get rid of the malaria-bearing mosquito, which is pretty crazy. I think China, uh, they're testing that gene editing CRISPR technology, and they were able to eliminate, I think, almost all of malaria in a specific island really? by creating mosquitoes that don't carry it. And they were able to breed with other mosquitoes. And, of course, with mutation, they were able to get rid of malaria. Interesting. Yeah, I know they, we talked about it before in this previous episode, it's about CRISPR, but that one um, in China as well, where he, the guy created two twins that supposedly are um, immune to HIV, which is pretty, we'll see how that, how that happens. Yeah. It's 
pretty cool. Well, he took he took the embryos and he used CRISPR in them. So by by like changing one gene, he then changed all the genes in the in the embryo. So that's pretty crazy. Like just by, just by altering like one or two things, the two kids are completely different what the, than what they they could have been. I'm pr- I'm pretty sure in our lifetime, in the next few years, we're gonna see the elimination or the cure for HIV. Yeah, we'll see. You never know. We'll work on it. I guess maybe a vaccine, HIV vaccine. So when, whenever that company becomes public, you guys should probably invest some money in stocks for those that are into that kind of thing because that's a company that's gonna really rise up. Yeah. Okay. All right. So back to vaccines. There's four different types of vaccines that are usually given to individuals. Uh, we go over them real quick. The first one is probably the, the strongest one. It's the live attenuated vaccine, which takes a weakened form or an inactive form of the you know, the germ. So it can be a virus or, or bacteria or whatever, and then it gets injected basically into you. Um, this does have limitations because if I have an organ transplant, if I have a kidney from somebody else or a heart, my immune system is always weakened because we're always given like steroids to individuals because they you don't want them to develop an immune response to the organ that they received. So it's kind of risky and not recommended for you to get a live attenuated virus just because it's easier for it to spread. If you're on a, if you're, if you got a transplant. Yes, if you're an organ transplant um, recipient. But these live attenuated vaccines, uh, they're usually your MMR, your rotavirus, your smallpox, your chickenpox, and your yellow fever. Uh, another virus that we tend to get to people is an activated virus, which takes basically the, the dead germ and then injects it, and it's safe for more, more people. But the thing is, it doesn't provide as um, long of an immunity as like the live vaccine, just because the germ, germ itself is dead. So that's why the flu vaccine is have to has to be given yearly. Exactly, that's why the flu vaccine, say what type that is, A, and polio and rabies. You get polio a couple of times uh, before you finally get rid of it. You know, And then the third one, which is pretty interesting, it's uh, called subunit, recombinant, polysaccharide, and conjugate vaccines. So uh, these vaccines, actually they're actually really strong, they take like either a protein or a sugar or just a capsule of the actual bacteria and virus and they inject it into you. So you're not getting a whole virus, you're getting a piece of it, uh, which is actually really good on a molecular level because it's, it's, um, you could pinpoint it with more accuracy. Less mistakes happen. But this, this does lead to a strong immune response, but a lot of times you have to give, it, give like boosters for that as well. And that's like your hepatitis, uh, B, your HPV, your whooping cough, which is part of your uh, DTaP um, vaccine and your shingles, pneumococcal and meningitis. Those are the ones that are just usually get like a subunit of the actual bacteria or virus itself. That's interesting. And we always screen patients for pneumococcal vaccine. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'm just like refused. <laughs> yeah. And what's cool about this is that you're not actually giving the virus or the germ itself. You're giving a portion of it. So yep. anybody could, could receive it because you're not creating any kind of a reaction for the most part, toxic, toxic reaction. And a third one, it's a toxoid vaccine, which basically... Fourth, fourth one. Just or fourth, fourth one, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. What did I say, third? Third is cool. Okay, fourth one, toxoid vaccine. So this, you're not actually um, introducing the bacteria or virus or the germ to the host. You're just um, giving a, the byproduct of it, like a toxin of what the virus produces or what the bacteria produces. So your body kind of learns that this toxin is toxic and it kind of finds a way how to fight this toxin off. That's another way. And that's uh, your diphtheria and your tetanus, all part of the DTAP. And well. some, I remember when I was in nursing school getting vaccines, some patients or some people aren't able to develop like a booster immunity and they have to give the, have to be given the shot more often. 
Didn't you have that issue when um, before traveling nursing? You had to yeah, get some I think kind it was my MMR booster that that year or something. Yeah, so it just it depends on what kind of vaccine you get because there are different forms of, of each vaccine. For the most part, just like it's probably based on um, your clinic's preference. But it's you know we get the flu shot every year for the most part, and the, the flu shot is actually not just one variation of influenza. It's like a bunch of uh, variation influenza that they give you because we're not sure what kind of influenza is going to be occurring this winter or, or whenever. For the most part. Yeah. What about the anti-vaxxers believe? So there's four misconceptions that the anti-vaxxers believe that you shouldn't get vaccinated. And this is probably the biggest reason why this all started spreading where there was outbreaks of specific viruses and diseases in America. Yeah. So initially, these anti-vaxxers believe that the MMR vaccine itself um, leads to autism and the development of, of autism. Um, that's proven false basically because the reason autism is on a rise isn't really because of the vaccine. It's because the autism spectrum has grown. So different developmental disorders we now throw into the spectrum of autism. So there's there's more um, disorders that are just called autism now than they were before. And if you think about it, less people are getting vac- vaccinated now. That has been attributed to any kind of decrease in um you know, autism at all. Yeah, and we actually, two podcasts back, we talked about the link between autism and all these like skincare products that like females use and the high levels of estrogen in the womb, right? That's correlated to that. So it might it might be, an, you know, an external source that's causing autism in kids and this development of disease, not the vaccines themselves. Yeah, yeah, this effect argument, just the argument itself saying that MMR causes autism is completely false because... We have seen a decline in MR vaccines, the vaccine in general, but there hasn't been any kind of decline in autism. So it doesn't, doesn't even make sense in the first place. It's probably the chemtrails. Probably, man. You know, like there's like those planes spraying mm. those streaks of um, fumes or whatever up in the air. You don't even know what they're releasing. Well, who knows? Who knows? Maybe. Another thing, what they were pushing is they said this preservative called thimerosal. Thimerosal is how you say it. They were saying that that was actually linked to autism, and that's been proven false, and that hasn't really been used in uh, vaccines since 1999, and it hasn't been shown to attribute to anything autism-related. Another one, sometimes they believe that infants are too young to get a vaccine, but I think they did research that you could get literally all 14 vaccines given to you at once, and it's not going to affect the baby. Like, literally your body's able to handle that capacity. Like there's a 0.1% chance of something going wrong. Right. And like, think about it. It's an, it's an infant. It's a baby. Like the baby's walking around. It's crawling around. It's, you know, it's getting exposed to multiple viruses, bacteria, toxins, all at the same time. I mean, how often you could, you, if you have a baby or if you dealt with children at all, you know, you, you turn around one minute and you turn back around, they have something in their mouth, anything. They'll just put whatever they want in their mouth and they play with everything and, Basically, a baby is just like a breeding ground for bacteria, and they they fight it off easily. And and there's that whole debate that like let the kid play in dirt, let them get dirty because your body, your infant's immune system or the baby, like it's developing because it's being exposed to everything. Like if you have that crazy mother that's you know bleaching every single counter that the baby touches, like you're not giving your baby any kind of bacteria to be for them to be exposed in because that's how their immune system like is working imagine it like a muscle use it or lose it right if you're working out you know you're pumping the muscle it's going to grow 
Same thing with the immune system. If you're not exposing it to any common threats, it's maybe it's probably going to weaken. Yeah, it's not learning anything. It's not learning how to how to fight off it, infections. You know, if you keep your little baby in a box or in a bubble, it's its whole life, and then it goes to first first second grade, it's gonna get sick every day. Yeah, because it has no built up immunity. It hasn't learned how to fight off anything. And you know, and child grows older and is more susceptible to infections and disease, and that just causes a whole issue of problems. Another thing is that a lot of people are saying that natural immunity is better. I mean, is it really better? It, it is. Technically, it is better. But would you want to expose your child to measles so they could develop the, um, you know, the antibodies for it? No, that's, that's ridiculous. It's much more efficient and more healthier to give an MR vaccine than to have the child get measles and have it learn how to fight off itself. Because what if it can't? You know, it's like one out of 500 chances of, of death if you're exposed to measles compared to like one out of a million your chance to have an like, allergic reaction to a vaccine. That's not a risk I'm willing to take for my kids. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. No Speaking of like a natural immunity, um, I'm digressing here a little bit. I was researching something that when you change your like your perspective, like you're more positive, let's just say, or you're meditating and you're calming down your mind. Um, there's this doctor, Joe Dispinoza, and he actually showed within four days, if you change your like mindset in a way, you're able to increase your natural immunity IGA levels. It was studied by actually fifty yeah. percent. Wow. And you know, back to the topic of optimism and all this energy stuff, how how it affects things. But it does. Yeah. This has nothing to do with vaccinations. Like you shouldn't, you know, focus on natural immunity. But there's ways to, you know, strengthen your immune system, make your body more effective against fighting infections. Yeah, like the whole whole mind and body uh, perception, and there's a theory is that. You know, your brain is linked to your organs, your organs are linked to your brain, and it all works, you know, uh, together as a group. I think we are a pretty intelligent organism, and your body and your mind are separate. And it's, we're always talking, we're always communicating, and it's, your body knows it's, your body, man, I wish, the body's so interesting, it's amazing. Even just talking about this immunity, like, how the heck is your body able to recognize threats and have, like, a literally, like, a book of, like, 500 bacteria and viruses whatever to like fight it off and like know when it's happening and you know a little macrophage comes in swells it up and right. it kind of and consciously you, you know that's going on you have no idea what's going on in like your GI tract anywhere it just works it's an automation it just knows how to do it and that's what it does you don't think about it you don't you don't when you're you're when you have a flu you don't picture like your white blood cells attacking influenza and you know engulfing it and destroying it no it just happens by itself yeah it's very interesting and i think the fourth one um a lot of anti-vaxxers believe that these vaccines contain unsafe toxins um they are toxins but in the small increments that they're given they're approved by the fda and they're they are considered safe for example one of them they are afraid of um formaldehyde um, and a lot of people don't know that formaldehyde is actually... See, we talked about formaldehyde in nail polishes mm-hmm. last time and in eyelashes. So maybe there's a higher concentration that's being exposed to, which could be leading to autism. But here, if you're getting a vaccine, this formaldehyde is not any significant threat to your own body. And formaldehyde is actually produced in your own um, body through the own metabolic... The GI tract. Me- metabolic system, yeah. Yeah, it's a byproduct in, in the GI tract and... It's needed for some uh, reactions happening in your gut. So, you know, you make more of it than, than the amount that's in uh, vaccines. It doesn't really make a difference. Yeah. What, what is your viewpoint on, um, like, for example, flu vaccines? Uh, flu vaccines? Because we're kind of, we're obligated to take them, unfortunately, like in healthcare, like, 
they would basically tell you not to show up to work yeah. or wear a mask. Flu vaccines, I don't know. I'm not really for them for the most part, even though I, I do get them because I don't have a way out of it. But um, there's so many different strains of, of influenza that I feel like it's a small percentage of them that they get right. Like there's been times, I probably say like every year I get the flu shot and I'm probably sick with the flu every year. Yep. I think flu shots are great if they could f- pinpoint what kind of flu is, what kind of influenza it's going to be and pinpoint it and then put that in the actual vaccine itself compared to giving us like five or six different strains of it and hoping one of them is going to be the one for this year. Because yeah, a lot of people don't know that. So like when it comes to like the flu, you heard about the swine and all this stuff. The reason why every single year it changes is because this virus is mutating. It's getting smarter. It's just like imagine bacteria, right? We give... We over-medicate with antibiotics, specific bacteria, and sometimes this bacteria figures out a way how to develop immunity. And then we get, for example, MRSA, which is like a multi-resistant bacteria that's able to withstand specific you know, um, antibiotics. Right. And you have to give it the heavy-duty antibiotics to actually get rid of it. Right. Well, you want to see what goes into a flu shot in that case? We can. But right. per- personally, if I was able to give it myself, I would say I did and I wouldn't give it but unfortunately yeah like i said i'm, I'm for if they could could pinpoint correctly which which influenza it's going to be that i'm for it like yeah I'll, I'll take a flu shot over getting sick with the flu for like uh like you know five days or, or, like, or like you know a week but right now we don't have that they're not as effective as exactly. they should be exactly yeah so a flu shot so what goes in a flu shot well first of all the influenza virus itself there's like five or six different strains because it's hard to pinpoint which one's going to be which and that's sometimes why it's not really effective because you could get them wrong. And it's an in, in, um, ineffective, not ineffective. Uh, is it a dead virus into the flu shot? No, it's not a dead virus. They do the... Um, Inactivated ex- vaccine. Activated. So yeah, technically, okay. yeah. So I guess it is dead, yeah. So it's, it is a dead virus that they do. Um, and a lot of times, even though the flu shot might work for me, it might not work for you. I mean, just because, let's say, influenza type B affects me, you might have the influenza type A. So there's so much... Mutation going on with with influenza where it's really hard to pinpoint anything that's going on, and especially it varies by location and everything. Like each, I'm not sure each state, but each climate or each region of the United States gets a different kind of flu vaccine based on um, whatever research that they do to decide on it. Okay. Yeah, I think they take like the amount of or the type of influenza that has been affecting that area for a certain amount of time, and then they kind of base it off that game of numbers, I guess. Another thing that goes there is formaldehyde. Like Matt said, that's naturally produced as a byproduct in our GI tract. Um, and its role is basically to prevent any contamination or any kind of bacterial growth in the actual vaccine itself. Because we know that you know viruses and bacteria are real small and it's very easy to contaminate certain things. And this you obviously don't want to contaminate because you want to just give that flu vaccine, not any kind of other bacterial or viral infection. Just kind of makes it sterile, more sterile for the most part. You know, another one is aluminum salts, and this, what this basically does, um, is that it makes your body react more strongly to the influenza, so it kind of produces a greater immune effect, um, even though it would be the same amount of virus. So it kind of allows us to get injected with less of the virus, but produces a greater effect. Aluminum salts, interesting. Yeah, pretty cool, right? And the next one is a thimerosal yeah i don't think they use that anymore but um maybe somewhere in the in the world they probably still do 
Because they could probably use like an antibiotic form now. It basically it was like an antiseptic method to stop the contamination of the product that they were giving. Yeah, so basically thi- uh, thimerosal, that basically keeps the virus. So initially, now when you get your flu shots, you just have one injection and that's one flu shot. Back in the day, they had a vial and you would, you know, draw up the, the, the vaccine and give it and then, you know, put the vial in the fridge. And out of that same vial, you would take out some more, give it to the next individual. So that the thimerosal, I don't think it's used anymore. We don't even have multi-use vials for vaccines anymore. No. That was just basically used, used as that, just to keep it more, um, more clean, more sterile for the most part. Um, and then the chicken egg protein is also used. That's why people with egg allergies um, usually don't avoid. get Yeah, should avoid it. But I've read online that it doesn't really produce any kind of a great effect on someone that does that is allergic to egg. But I guess if you're really, really sensitive and really like really allergic to egg, that's when you might affect it. But for general public, even though if you might have an egg allergy or sensitivity, it should still be okay for the most part. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that this protein is literally, the virus is injected into like this protein and it's, it literally helps the vaccine or the vaccine, aka the virus, grow and replicate. So it grows and it's fertilized egg. Right. Is that pretty cool? That is pretty cool. I know that's pretty interesting. They grow a virus in a chicken egg. And that's why, yeah, just like you said, the egg allergies. Yeah. Another one is gelatin, and that's basically protects it from, from um, change of temperature. So you have jello. It stays jello in room temperature and stays jello in, you know, when you put it in the fridge. That kind of gives it more of like a like a temperature uh, gradient barrier. Hmm. That's what it really does. And the last, last one, they give a little bit of antibiotic. And basically, if, you know, if a bacteria is exposed to it, they could possibly you know, kill the vaccine that you're giving. So it's an antiseptic and it helps prevent any bacteria from growing. Usually they give gentamicin or neomycin. And that kind of summarizes that flu vaccine. Um, And regarding um, affecting, or I'm sorry, the effectiveness of flu vaccines, I did a study and only, I I didn't look at the statistic, but only 40 to 60% of people actually get the flu shot because of like, the stereotype and the media and everything that they hear about it. Yeah. Like I said, I'm for if they could, you know, pinpoint the influenza accurately, believe for it. But as a medical professional, I'm required to get it, so I'm okay with getting it. Do you, can't you like wear a mask and not have to use it? Yeah, you can, but you're gonna wear a, a mask, mask for, for like four months out five. of the year. Yeah, it's, it's no, I'm not gonna do that. It's uncomfortable. It's like some rooms you just mouth would sweat all day. Imagine having like um, the plastic gown on, gloves, and that mask right. like you're breathing. Just a perception, like me being a nurse, always wearing a mask. Patients are gonna have a per- of the perspective that I'm sick, yeah, always, or some, or I'm gonna infect them with something. Why is he taking care of my father if he's sick? You know that kind of stuff. Right. Sit your ass home. Exactly. Yeah. So get vaccinated. Don't take your medical advice from a porn star. Listen to us instead. Yeah. Listen to us, guys. Couple nurses. Um. See, so we talked about. What did we talk about first? Jeez, I'm blanking out here already. Well, we talked about vaccines. But before that, we, so we talked about iridology. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. And basically, it's pseudoscience. It's not credible. If you've heard about it or are interested in it, you're probably not going to get any benefits from the study. Yeah. And um, vaccines, we talked about what they are and what the makeup of them and that the importance of them. And you should believe in vaccines, guys, because it's... It helped prevent real threats and back in the day that we've been fighting for, like polio and all that. Right. Couldn't agree more. See you guys next week, guys. Have a great day. Take care. Get your booster shots.